This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 73, Submission 804. The first episode of 2020. The first episode of 2020 aired on ABC the night of June 6th, 1978. Dave Barish, Sander Van Oker, Sylvia Chase, Dr. Carl Sagan, Thomas Hogan, Geraldo Rivera, Harold Hayes and Robert Hughes. I'm Hayes. I'm Hughes. So why are we talking about the first episode of 2020? Well, you should know that this was not the episode that we were going to do, but unfortunately, a couple days ago, we lost Hugh Downs at the ripe old age of 99. We should be so lucky to live so long and rich a life there. But he didn't come till episode two because episode one of 2020 was a far different animal. And when we say it was a far different animal, that is like understatement of the year because this show as it is right now was not the show as originally intended. The show as originally intended was the brainchild of Rude Arledge who revolutionized sports television by creating Monday Night Football. And he also created other news shows, including World News Tonight and Nightline. So he's hoping to do... So, yeah, he was hoping to do that with ABC's news department with Nightline, which would come, of course, later, and World News Tonight, which I believe started at around the same time. It was a replacement for another news program. But 2020 was supposed to be his jewel. And, you know, nowadays you look at 2020 as, I guess, uh, second banana to 60 minutes in the uh, television news cycle sort of thing. But back in 1978, it was very uh, experimental. It didn't know its identity at that point. Yeah. And as you heard in the open... The program was hosted by two gentlemen, uh, one by the name of Harold Hayes, uh, who was uh, an editor at Esquire magazine and also was the senior producer of 2020. And the second host was Time Magazine art critic Robert Hughes. Definitely not two names that people who uh, watch TV would be familiar with. Yeah, uh, one was a North Carolina-based journalist, and the other was based in Australia and cut his teeth at the BBC. Yeah. And immediately, as the show began, they introduced themselves, and I mean, they gave small bios. Americans aren't familiar with you, Robert Hughes. Can you tell us who you are? Well, I was born in Australia about 40 years ago, and then I moved to the States a couple of years ago, blah, 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 blah. It's like, really? I, I don't think necessarily that's the best way to, to start your new show instead of saying, okay, here's what's coming up. You know, introducing your, your anchors in the first show 
it just didn't seem right. Just seems a little bit out of place almost. Like I, I mean, imagine if you're watching any other show and they say, oh, yeah, here's this new newcomer actor. Well, introduce yourself before we get into the plot of the whole TV series. That just it, it just didn't mesh just from the outset. Before we get to the show itself, let's talk about the opening sequence because that and this was used for a little while after the premiere. This was something? Question mark. Yeah, imagine imagine a sitcom back in the day with a vanity shot and the actor's name. Yeah. Well, this one had such a shot, but it had like specialty, special, specially created rim glasses that looked like the 2020 logo. Because get it, 2020 vision. Yeah, and they had little twos on the the back of the uh, of the glasses where they'd uh, it's, they'd be by your ears. Yeah, it it was bizarre. And then when the animation aired, the lenses of the glasses would have a test pattern in them. Huh? Oh? Yeah. There was a color bars, like a test pattern. And then on the left lens, from the viewer's perspective, would be the name of the correspondent. And on the right-hand side would be the correspondent. A video. And then it would and it would swap out. It would swap out uh, from time to time. Like the yeah. first one was. Yeah, it would alternate. Yeah, and and let's just introduce our team here. We have Dave Marish. Don't know who he is, but he would he would be in the he would be later in the broadcast. Sandra Van Oker, who would be in the broadcast in the broadcast, veteran newsman, and he was in the cast of. Future installment without warning. Well, that came without warning. Uh, I see what you did there. Sylvia Chase, he was, she was actually third in the lineup, and she would go on to be a part of the show for the next 10 years. Oh, she had a great smile. She did. Oh, but the next one. No, this guy's got a great smile. Yeah, this one does. This guy... He's got a great smile. Dr. Carl Sagan, who is basically the Neil deGrasse Tyson of his day. I mean, if you don't know who Carl Sagan is, what podcast are you even listening to? And honestly, Carl Sagan wouldn't get his popularity until two years later with Cosmos. Yeah. And the thing of it is, he has a face credit. He's nowhere in this episode. Yeah. But oh my God, when he pops up on screen... It's like it's like standard sitcom smile right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, somebody who was not on the screen, or somebody who may or may not have been in this episode, Thomas Hoving. I don't remember him being on the episode. Okay, I don't even know who he is. Who is this guy? So who is Thomas Hoving? Yeah. He was the director of the Metropolitan Museum of Art from 1967 to 1977. So not exactly a television anchor type. Well, it says, uh, well, it says on Wiki he was on the arts correspondent on 2020 till 1984. Okay, so he would be on the so he would be on the show for a while. Okay, yeah. you know what? Now, I think I'm finally figuring this out. Okay, so this is weird that they don't have every correspondent in the first show because if you watch 60 minutes 
I think for every episode of 60 Minutes, all the correspondents who are on that episode are shown in the opening scene. Oh, yes. Yeah, every, every, everyone. Yeah, and I think in this case, they're basically covering their bases and saying, okay, here's Carl Sagan, our science correspondent. Here's Thomas Hoving, our arts correspondent. And here's Sandra Van Oker, who's our, whatever his specialty was, I'm guessing just general news reporting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was at ABC for the longest time. So I, that's almost how I look at this now is, okay, you've got your person who does like investigative reporting. You've got your person who does art. You've got your person who does maybe music. You've got your science correspondent. So you're covering all your bases kind of sort of maybe like an entertainment correspondent. And so, yeah, I, I, I sort of get it now. Kind of. And you forgot the last part. Special report by someone who will come up in future entry, the search for Al Capone's vault, Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, only this time he looked like Chavo Guerrero, basically. Wait, which Chavo Guerrero Sr. is Chavo Guerrero Jr. Yes. (laughs) So now we've had the open, and we've met our hosts. What was on the show? What, what, What made it different than the 2020 we know and love. Well, it wasn't really that, well, the stories they cover, they were sort of your offbeat, uh, off the beaten path. You wouldn't hear this on the evening news sort of investigative reporting. The secrets of Greyhound racing business from Geraldo Rivera. Uh, a sort of a heart piece with Flip Wilson, who five years ago, as this aired, uh, had quit his incredibly successful variety show and how he talks about whooping the crap out of his kids a, a an interview with governor jerry brown who is thinking 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 about a run for the white house spoiler alert he never gets it that won't come for like another 14 years yeah how ordinary Americans could make nuclear bombs in their backyards. This is an actual story. And a retrospective on the 10th anniversary of, of Robert F. Kennedy's assassination. It, it's, it's, a, it's a news program. It, it's, it's got news in it. Because the day this aired, it mentioned the RFK assassination, it would have been 10 years to the day RFK was killed. Mm-hmm. And this was not your hard-hitting 2020 like you may be used to. I mean, this was more of a softer fare, except for the, the first segment about the dog racing. If you see it on YouTube, and it's on YouTube, the whole first episode is on YouTube, it's about a 10-minute segment, and this may not air nowadays, and if it does, immediately Pete is on the phone saying, what the heck are you doing? In this piece, there was video of greyhounds practicing their running by going after live bait, and they showed multiple rabbits being basically slaughtered, being being mauled to death. And that was that that was a bit much. I I I know they gave a warning ahead of time saying, you know, your kids may not want to watch this, but that was very, very graphic, especially that for was, 78. You know, that, you know, it's like, you thought for a moment that 
you know, this new this new news program, you thought it was going to go hard. You thought it was going to go hard. It did go hard. It, it went too hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, then it, and then and then you remember that not five minutes ago they had a, a sort of this was the week that was sort oh, of montage. Oh yeah, I wanted I wanted to describe that. So yeah, they described what was the top stuff in the segment before in the week and talk about. They called the, it the Wayward Week. Yeah, that Saturday Night Fever was the top album that week. Uh, the Bob Hope USO special was a Bob Hope U.S. The USO trip. To Bob Hope. Yeah, Bob Hope USO tribute. Yeah, that was number one. The book Bloodline by Sidney Sheldon was the number one book. And they talk about, man, this is random, about a Giants Dodgers game, which was won by a pinch hit grand slam by Mike Ivey. And you might be wondering, who is Mike Ivey? I looked up his stats on Baseball Reference, and he had like an 11-year career where he hit 269, and he had 81 home runs for his career with 411 RBIs. Actually, his best year would be the following year with the Giants where he had 27 home runs and 89 RBIs. And throughout this entire Wayward Week segment, Maybe it was just me, but both of them, their dialogue came across as very sarcastic and condescending. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you look at all the stories they're covering. I have a list of all the stories, and this comes courtesy of internetisinamerica.blogspot.com. This was an entry from 2017, so not current at all. A tanker in the British Channel gets blown to smithereens to prevent an oil spill. Jimmy Carter blasts the USSR and Cuba at a NATO meeting for monkeying around in Africa. The Cuban ballet performs at the Kennedy Center for the first time since Castro came to power. Uh, the tops of the week that Greg just mentioned. An $11 million diamond bound in Africa, if that means anything. And they talk about the dollar coin being changed to Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, because uh, originally it was going to be Lady Liberty on it, and they actually showed a mock-up uh, maybe a prototype rather than a mock-up of the 1977 silver dollar with Lady Liberty on it. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's not the last time we'll be talking about the dollar coin on this podcast because we'll be talking about the golden dollar commercials from 2000 with Michael Keaton as the voice of George Washington. Nice. And, and, and they end the wayward week with inflation causing beef prices to skyrocket. And and here's Robert Hughes in his Australian wit saying, imagine living to become a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a little um, bizarre, but th- that almost sort of summarizes this entire show in, in like one sentence because it was very weird, and we haven't even gotten to some of the weird stuff. Uh, oh, hold up. I just realized something. We forgot to mention that Geraldo Rivera Greyhound piece. You know who he talks to in, in one Geraldo talks to in one part of the segment? What's that? Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Yeah, because he, he would have been two years removed from being Gerald Ford's running mate. Mm-hmm. Yes, he would have. And, and still alive, in case you forgot. He's 97 now, it looks like. 96, yes. 97. Uh, but again, that wasn't even the weirdest of this. 
the one thing I thought was, and I've never seen this on a news show, is when they came back from a couple commercial breaks, they actually showed, I, I don't want to say arcane words, but I'm going to say arcane words. They, they showed a word, spelled it out, and then gave it its definition. And this happened twice on the premiere episode. They gave two of these words, and kind of coincidentally, Generally, it's sort of interesting I use the word arcane because the first word shown is arcane. <laughs> Mysterious, secret, obscure. Right now, 2020 is educational, informational, uh, investigative when it's talking about the, the dog racing. Uh, then we get to the, uh, the human interest piece kind of sort of about Flip Wilson, who left show business five years ago after a divorce and getting three of his four children. Yeah. And so we're, we're going all over the place. We go from the, the hard hitting Greyhound racing investigation to flip Wilson five years after he left show business. But of course he returned later because uh, he will show up in future installment. People are funny from 1984. And oh yeah. Another, and, and another future installment, Charlie and company. Yeah, exactly. You're oh, right. Oh, yeah. Also featuring a pre-Urkel Jaleel White. Yep. And then and the, we get... And the late, great Christoph St. John. Yeah. And then we get back to... Well, we get another word uh, ex, uh, after the second commercial. Exegesis, critical explanation or interpretation is the meaning of that word. Okay. Then, okay. All right. But hold up. Hold up. We got to talk about an ad before we get to, to the next segment. They have a promo for the 1978 Daytime Emmy Awards. And who is narrating it? Ernie Anderson? Yes. Oh, yes. And we got, and Richard Dawson is hosting it, by the way. So, yeah, you know it's going to be great. Oh, but, yeah. But also, okay, there's a follow up for a segment of show coming up on ABC that Ernie narrates. And this is amazing. It's hosted by Hal Linden, and it's called Are You a Missing Air? This was the forerunner to the uh, every so often the news will do a story on. Do you have unclaimed property as they do with, in conjunction with your state or municipality's uh, missing claims office? By the way, I did look into one of those things that I had $500 one time. Me and Mike, we searched. It is not on YouTube. It's not on Daily Motion. So this show, or you're missing air. If we can find, if we can somehow get a copy of this, we'll have it on the list. This is going to be up there with the American pilot of Sailor Moon, basically. Oh, it's up there on the Holy Grails. It's up there with any episode of Mr. Smith. It's up there with the four episodes of Second Chance that aren't on YouTube. It's up there with Legwork with Margaret Colin. It's up there on our show, Holy Grails. So we get back to the show, and a second word is shown, exegesis. And the definition of that is a critical explanation or interpretation. But then we get into the story about a 22-year-old who is creating or is trying to create nuclear bombs at home. Yeah, I've seen a picture of this 22-year-old. He has Geraldo's mustache and, a, and what looks to be the beginnings of a comb-over. He's 22. 
And you know, before before the segment, do you know what they play clips of? Uh, future installment, The Amazing Spider-Man, with Nicholas Hammond as Peter with Nicholas Parker. Hammond. We'll cover that when we get whenever the third MCU Spider-Man movie comes out. And he just looks a little creepy. A little creepy. Just a little creepy. Wait, Nicholas Hammond looks creepy. Oh, you're talking no, about the other guy. No, no, no the talking- guy who. The guy I know who that. A I get non- it. Uh, he said it was a nuclear bomb. It didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, so that was a thing. But we haven't even gotten to the weird part yet. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, next, as we said, was a profile on Jerry Brown, the then governor of California, who was considering running for yeah. presidency. Yeah, Jerry Brown, the then governor and future governor of California. Yeah, now, I mean, he's been around California politics at this point for like 35, 40 years. And his yeah. daughter was on American Idol. What? His daughter was a contestant on American Idol. That is, wow. Jer- man, Jerry Brown. Wow, you, you're what an amazing man he is. He can produce an American Idol contestant. Yeah, she didn't make it out of the top 16, by the way. Oh, well, that's a shame. Well, and also at the same time, people who created American Idol stars, please remember, Greg, former New York Giants player Felipe Sparks created Jordan. Who went all the way. Who yeah? Who is an American Idol? Did didn't get booted oh, off yeah. at any point? Oh yeah, she, and and a, and a great national anthem singer. Oh totally. Yeah. So there's a commercial break uh, after the profile of Jerry Brown, and the two uh, hosts actually speak to Jerry Brown, and I thought this was super corny. Uh, are you talking about uh, the whole? It looks sort of like a green screen sort of thing it sort of looks like a green screen but they drop the screen against a wall background and to start with you don't even see the faces of the two anchors they're sort of like it's the back of their heads i almost sort of get the feeling i'm watching like siskel and ebert Oh, it, 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 when they're remember when the they show the, the start of the movie yes or the start of the review you'd see the back of their heads that's how this came across to me and it just doesn't seem professional. Well, you have to remember, this is 1978 technology they're working well, on. Well, I understand it's 1978 technology, but it just doesn't seem terribly professional. A news show, what you could do is you could have had one camera focused on the two anchors and another camera uh, focused on Jerry Brown, and you could have done that just like we have nowadays. In 1978, it would have been you know, contemporary technology, but you know, it would look rudimentary in 2020. But it's just looked really weird and then sometimes they actually show the faces of the anchors asking questions to jerry brown and i mean this may have been new-ish technology at the time because i don't think live broadcasts were necessarily uh, a new uh oh no live broadcasts were not new at all i mean they had time live broadcasts like this this up yeah, I mean, I, I, this, well, yeah, this definitely was t- live. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, they could have edited out the less flattering bits because when they did do the interview, it ran a total of an astonishing four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. 
Yeah. And, and again, it just felt very hokey. The, some of the reactions, some of the, the banter that uh, between the two hosts, but that wasn't even the weird part of the show. Because yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, let, let me tell you right now. He, his father, Jerry Brown's father, his advice was not to run against Carter. And Jerry Brown says, you know, I think that's a good idea. Not running against Carter. Well, you know. Which segues into. Well, I was going to say, before we segue into that, maybe running against Carter uh, after 78 would have been a good thing because really 79 was not a good year for Carter between Three Mile Island and gas prices and the hostage situation. 79 was not the best year for Carter, so. No. Maybe if he's stuck in there, it might work, but enough about my political commentary. But yeah, all, uh, the Jerry Brown interview then segued to. This is something you definitely wouldn't see on 2020 nowadays. No. There was a claymation segment. It was maybe about two minutes long with a claymation Jimmy Carter lip syncing. Ray Charles's Georgia on my mind. Now, first off, the animation of Jimmy Carter is anything but flattering. The oh, big it, lips, the, the it, droopy jowls. It looks like something out of the California Raisins. It, 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 it probably was made by Will Vinton for all we know. I'll take a look at the credits at the end. But it got really weird because he was kissing the moon at one point. The moon grabbed him and and he kissed the moon. And then uh, at the end, he was dancing with the state of Georgia. It was out of place, to say the least. Very weird. Yeah. And then we go from the weird to the, the, the reflective, because we get the segment on the 10th anniversary of Robert F. Kennedy's assassination. So now we've gone from, like, a big interview at the time to absurdity to here's a memorial of somebody beloved who was assassinated 10 years ago today. Everything about this is a friggin' train wreck. And then to make it worse at the end of the show, again, more awkward uh, banter between the hosts, but then the way it closes, they, they do the credit roll, but then after the credit roll, Hey, it's more claymation. It's now a Walter Cronkite, animation saying and that's the way it is and then walter cronkite he folds up a piece of paper into a paper airplane and throws it what huh i mean that doesn't make much sense that's just i don't get it no i don't get it either this is such a bizarre show this first episode of 2020 yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the reviews in a minute. Uh, yeah, the uh, the claymation segment uh, conceived by Robert Grossman, Craig Whitaker, and James Picker. So okay, so it was not a Will Vinton claymation. Was, nope. No. Oh, now I'm just disappointed. Well, you should be disappointed with uh, the entirety of the show because I am disappointed with the entirety of the show. No, I was I was very happy with the "Are you a missing air?" commercial. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
know, you know what I was happy with? Gunther Gable Williams talking American Express with his. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yes. We're having more fun talking about the commercials than we are about the show. Talking about yeah, the, the uh, Gunther Gable Williams commercial for American Express with the tiger, and uh, talking about uh, are you a missing heir commercial, and then even there's a commercial for soap. Because at that point, soap was airing in late nights. At some point, this what? was before night. This was before Nightline and what? Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, if you look, it, it, it is right in the last uh, commercial break. Soap was airing late at night. Now you got to remember, soap was really big soap, then, back yes, then, and soap was a controversial show and, and very controversial too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so they were they were airing, uh, I think, seasonal reruns in late night. Yeah, because I mean they prepared in '77, so yeah, at that point, and, and Nightline didn't premiere until the Hostage Crisis, right? Until '79, yeah. But the reviews. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, um, you, you knew changes were afoot after some of these reviews came in. Oh God, uh, Mike, do you have the reviews in front of you? I, I have a number of them. Yes. Okay. I'm so excited to see these reviews. So am I. The New York Times described the show as dizzyingly absurd, which I understand. Again, there was really no consistency to the show. It wasn't uh, a serious show. It wasn't a comedic show. It was a little bit of both. And the thing is, you had different segments that sort of contrasted each other. You didn't have hard-hitting and then maybe lighter fare or a little lighter fare and then maybe like super light fluffy fair. No, you went from the dog racing expose to let's talk to Flip Wilson. Oh, and here's the definition of word as we come back from break. And then we go to another, you know, weird segment about the, uh, the guy who tried creating a nuclear bomb. So I could definitely understand dizzyingly absurd. And then we have the whole animation with uh, Jerry Brown and then we come back and we go to a very sentimental remembrance of Robert Kennedy. That just, I mean, the, the timing and everything just didn't make any sense. You went from, you know, serious to goofy, back to serious, back to goofy. And then you had awkward dialogue between the two hosts. And it was just an absolute mess. Well, it was ironic that the New York Times described it as, what did you say it was? Dizzyingly absurd. Well, that ironically describes the New York Times in the year 2020. Ah. Also, the Washington Post. They were a little more straightforward instead of saying just dizzyingly absurd. 2020 was the trashiest stab at candy cane journalism yet. Damn. And this was when, and this was with Geraldo Rivera on staff. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, Rune Arledge in his uh, autobiography said that probably the most embarrassing part of the initial program was uh, the segments involving Jimmy Carter singing George on my mind and Walter Cronkite uh, in the close of the show. Because again, that's not really news ish. I mean, that's almost like something you'd see on Saturday night live at that point. Just very bizarre. But, you know, guys, after these reviews and after seeing how the show was, 
there were changes made and they were made immediately. Yeah, I believe I, I believe everybody was fired like three seconds after the claymation segment aired. Harold Hayes and Robert Hughes were gone, as was the original executive producer, a gentleman named Bob Shanks. And then for the following week's show, Hugh Downs came aboard, and the rest is history. Now, we don't have access to the second episode. That's not online or uh, to be seen anywhere. But in the first episode, they mentioned that there would be a second part to the uh, the, the piece about building a nuclear bomb, about uh, the possibility of civilians being able to build their own nuclear bombs. With all these changes, I wonder if they ever even showed the second half of that. That's a good question. Hmm. If anybody knows, why don't they uh, drop a line off here at the station, contact that it was a thing on TV.com. Uh, also, I think at that point, if you're talking about the hypotheticals of making a nuclear bomb, I mean, how is that almost not right up Carl Sagan's alley? I know he was more astronomy than nuclear science, but still, it, it's still in the same family, the, the, the scientific family. Yeah, why mm-hmm. couldn't you have gotten him on that segment? It would make perfect sense. Yeah, considering – and he and he does know something about nuclear weapons because he is featured on the panel of the ABC News Viewpoint in 83 all after, that aired after the day after – so he knows a little something about nuclear weapons. Uh, yeah. So Hugh Downs was hosting 2020 by himself, uh, at least for the first uh, about three years, because Barbara Walters joined the program, it says, in 1979, and she wasn't really a co-anchor at that point. She was more of a special contributor uh, yeah, because wasn't but, she doing? Wasn't she co-hosting the network news with Harry Reasoner? I think so. Yeah, I believe because yes, she was lured away from NBC around '76, I believe, and she got paid. So oh, yeah. it, 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 it's almost like we go back to the Letterman pay or play thing. She got paid, so she played. And actually, she uh, wouldn't become a co-anchor with Hugh Downs actually until. 1984. So wow. apparently Downs uh, was the true host, the, the only host, if you will, until uh, for a good uh, six years, until 84. And then Barbara Walters was officially named the co-anchor at that point. And, and remember, they did work together at NBC on the Today Show. Uh-huh. They did, yes. Wow. I mean, it's just so weird watching this show and comparing it to what you'd see even back in like the 90s and 80s, there were some very hard-hitting episodes back in the day about, let's say, controversial and non-popular topics that aren't necessarily taboo uh, per se, but just stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see on the nightly news. Yeah, it was a very informative show because I, I would I'd watch a couple episodes of 2020 after TGIF. Oh yeah, the early '90s. It was like, oh, you and Bar. Before I go to bed, I want to see what Hugh and Barbara are reporting on, as as one does, obviously. Yeah, Barbara Walters. She was like the she was like the friendly grandmother at ten o'clock, telling you, "Okay, this is everything that happened in the world this week. It's time to go to bed now." But it's Friday, and I want to stay up. The Smurfs are airing tomorrow morning. 
good night. At this point, 2020 would have been airing on, on Thursdays. Thursday night, yeah. yes. Yes. And actually, I think this first episode aired on a Tuesday, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It makes sense. I do like how Robert Hughes signed off. Yeah. He was oh, that, no, I see. I thought that was bizarre. Courage. What? Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, I'll just say courage. We're all in it together. And somewhere Dan Rabber was watching and thinking, you know what? That sounds like a good word to use one day. Courage. Well, I, I don't know how many people were in it together since they didn't make it to the next week. No. Mm-mm. So this episode, so this episode, of course, nowadays 2020 is part of the vanguard of televised hard-hitting investigative journalism that 60 Minutes continues to be the go-to for. Hey, if you're going to be second to somebody, you might as well be second to a grizzly, right? Well, technically, wouldn't it be like third, considering like Dateline's kind of the number two? Well, Dateline hasn't been around as much as 2020 has. Okay. But, I mean, Dateline does have Keith Morrison. Yes. And that awesome haircut of his. Ah. Yeah. But in June of 1978, it was a thing with Jimmy Carter as a claymation. Indeed. But you don't have to be animated to go to our website. It was a thing on TV.com or follow all of our socials at it was a thing on TV. Or if you are on the place to be nation pop feed, you can listen to all of last week's shows. Go and the UWF. UWF and go will be up on Wednesday. And by the way, guys, you might want to check in because we have, I believe at least one or two segments that are going to be in UWF Place to Be Nation cut that you want to check out. So Bonus things. Yes. Big thanks to my compatriots, Mike and Greg, as always. Next time, uh, uh, Mike, we're, 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 uh, we're going into your field of expertise again. Well, I think it's collectively all of our fields of expertise. but Yeah, but you were around for it. No, because he would have been like, what, a month old by the time of the last episode? Thank you! What the heck? Okay, I was a little older than a month old, but not a lot older than a month old. Well, there you go. We're, we're, dipping, our, we're dipping our toes in the game show pool again. Yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to let you wonder on that. So until then, I will simply say, in honor of the late, great Hugh Downs, we're in touch. So you be in touch. Row! And that's the way it is. Tuesday, June 6th, 1978.